speak sex. I am Eve Eurydice. I am your host. I am Greek artist and writer. I was born on the island of Lesbos, where the lesbians come from. Which is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, because of the power of words to kind of like affect our relationship with our sexuality. I'm also doing it as if my response to the Me Too movement, which kind of like rewrote all the definitions that we had inherited and weren't looking at closely enough. So for me, it's a a labor of love, but also a labor of enlightenment, of new understanding of our relationship to our place in the patriarchy and our place within the gender spectrum and how we relate with each other, um, both publicly and privately. Um, so with that in mind, today's guest, I think a guest <laughs> fit beautifully into our thing, um, Ayana and Indigo, thank you. Um, Ayana is a dancer, model, news, and all-around creative, and Indigo I just met. He looks awesome. He's the news also. (laughs) That he looks. I don't have to ask. (laughs) Um, But we'll find more about them in the next hour. So thank you for coming. For joining us. Yeah. Okay, so um, whoever wants to speak first, I would like to hear about your journey. Um, how you became the beautiful, extraordinary looking beings you are right now, and then how you met, right? What brought you in this unique union? Um, you want to go first, Ayanna? Sure. Okay. Um, how I developed to be who I am, basically? Yes. <laughs> um, and in connection to sex or just in general? Well, first, just in general, like, did you come from a traditional household? You do not look traditional. You look, you know, a thousand times better than anyone <laughs> traditional. <laughs> but there is definitely a journey of discovery, right? Yeah, I would say that a lot of who I am came from the way that I was raised. Um, even though my mom might have a semi-traditional way of thinking of things, she was, she was definitely very... Actually, my mom was anti-traditional, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised by a single mother, which is also mm-hmm. non-traditional, even mm-hmm. though it might be considered normal because of the frequency, you know, um, I guess how frequently a lot of people's lives are when they are raised by a single parent. Um, and that single parent being a mother is still not um, traditional. So no, it's not traditional. I would say sure. that... Um, with my mother raising me as a single mother and her being the way that she is like my mom was very um adamant about not having us do things that girls are supposed to do so she bought us like mega real she bought us lego she bought us like things in the house if it was a cabinet we made it we built it she would buy it she would give us instructions she said if you know how to read you know how to buy instructions you can build this so we built like what our TV stand on, we built what our computer stand on. So everything was very independent of us to do. And she made it so that we were just like all around beings and we could do everything by ourselves. And she raised us as boys and she would like say that. And she was um, very intentional about the way that she was raising us and also intentional about telling us the way she was raising us. So we were always cognizant about why she was raising us a certain way. And it led me to be very introspective about how I was being raised. 
So I would think I would, I would definitely say that she was definitely like the building block and the, mm-hmm. the biggest foundation for mm-hmm. me in terms of being oh, yeah. growing into an and the liberator. Yeah, she liberated you from yeah. all the cliches, yeah. you know, of the patriarchy. And then you took this as normal, you know, when you build, which is amazing and an amazing gift. I'm very grateful for it. Like I, I see. Even hearing, like I've had friends who tell me about, like, oh, you know, it's affecting me, how my mother doesn't love herself. Like, Damn, like that's so, that's so real, and that's so, um, that's so strong. And for you to be an adult and witnessing this, you can, you know, you can, um, I guess, you can deal with it in a certain way that makes you feel, that makes it so that it's not as impactful. You know, in terms of it being so integrated into your life, the way you see your mother that's actually affected heavily the way you navigate throughout the world. But let's say you're fucking five years old and you are watching your mother not love herself. You know, it's, it's a very different dynamic when it comes to something uh-huh. like that. So I think that when it comes to the way that I was raised, I only saw a strong woman who had these strong opinions about how her strength was and how she was not letting a man do anything. We weren't raised strong men. We were. We didn't have any men in the house. She didn't let her boyfriends around. She was always cognizant. She was like, I don't know who is, you know, a predator or a rapist, and I don't need my girls to be subject to all of these things. So I'm going to make sure that the only person around my, my children are me. And if, my, if you invite me, you invite my children. So she um, practiced a style, um, Attachment style parenting. She's also a nutritionist and a person being counselor for 13 years. Um, so everything about her is about nurturing and about connecting yourself to your baby. Um, we were breastfed, all of us. My mm-hmm. sister breastfed for like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, very non-traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything about her made me, in, like, and the way that she raised us made me a non-traditional woman. And then I continued to go into college. And where was this? I'm sorry. Where was this? I grew up in Florida. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So this is home. Mm-hmm. I live. Literally about like three minutes from where I grew up, the longest. I I moved like every single year in Miami for like ten years, so I moved a lot, mm-hmm. um, which is why people say, "Where are you from?" I'm like Miami. Where Miami? All around Miami. All around, <laughs> like, all around Miami. Oh, like, yeah, all around. Like I went to school in Little Havana. I went to school in Miami Gardens. I lived in Upper Town. I lived in Little Haiti. I used to go chill with people in Liberty City. Like I lived all around Miami. So I think the city has definitely developed me as well. Um, but a lot of people don't really see me as being a Miami native because I'm so alternative and so different. But definitely um, foundation for, for me here. My mom, she was really good at finding things in the city to help me develop as a young child as well. You know, like I went to free sports camps. I went to um, technology camps. I went to theater camps. I went to the library all the time. I just did everything. We didn't have a lot of money. We did everything that was for free for us. Free bars and like kids coffee beans and I bird watched and it was just like college definitely developed me into just being more connected to the earth and being right. more understanding. Especially because you grew up in an urban place. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduated with a degree in I got a Bachelor of the Arts in Philosophy mm-hmm. and a minor in Law, Public Policy, and Human Rights with a focus on African Americans and women. That's like Sweet. a long title. Oh no, I know the title. Yeah, that was yeah. What it was yeah, my daughter is studying that same thing right now. Nice. Part of college. Yeah. Okay, so and then you came back home, and then I moved to South Korea for a year. Wow. I taught English there. And I think that, well, that definitely like propelled me forward in terms of like my, um, cause like my, I wouldn't call it 
spiritual enlightenment. Um, it's it kind of feels that way. I would like sometimes I try to stay away from spiritual enlightenment because I feel like I've always sort of been enlightened. I would call it like a spiritual shift. So I think that there was definitely a spiritual shift after I left South Korea and a lot of things I learned about myself. Like I learned that I'm never not going to be in a space where I can fully express myself. I'm never going to be in a space where. I am worried about what type of hairstyle that I have because someone probably doesn't like it. And I think coming to Miami and having a non-negotiable feeling that I did mm. made it so that every place that I was in had to accept me because I was not going to accept anything less. And I think that going through that experience, um, a lot of people, like when they see me, they, they often say that, like, you know, um, and they always say that, like, you're not checking to me, you're checking to my freedom. And a lot of people oh, always well, that, say, that's Breaking to be a factual. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I realized it because I'm introspective, so I usually think about how I am and why I am the way I am and what was the shift or the point of me moving into the way that I am. But I would definitely say um, I was always a very expressive, fleet flowing person. My friends in college still saw that before I even studied abroad. So it wasn't like it wasn't there. But there was something that shifted where I realized that it was A, who I really definitely was, and B, nothing else on this earth was going to make me not do all these things. And I think South Korea definitely made that a okay. Right, right. It's such a limited, impressive yes. environment. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't worry about it. You just forget it. You know, because people go there on vacation and they're like, oh, it's so lovely. I love it. People are so warm. I'm so like, it's great. Dude, <laughs> I grew up there. Yes, you know, they're very accepting of foreigners who come and go, but the moment you like belong, the shit that they say about you non stop, like the judgment, it's not pretty. Yeah, the only connection I had before Korea was my best friend who is, um, her family's from South Korea, and um, she would tell me that all the time. She was like, oh my god, the Ajumas, which like the old, the old women, mm -hmm. like the Ajumas talk so much shit. Like, you, like oh, you could god. not, you know, you could not be me. And this is a woman who has piercings and tattoos and ride motorcycles and like has like four Kawasaki's and you know, she's super awesome, dyed hair, lime green, like she is not, you know, like she, if you see her walk through the street, right. she's gonna get all the looks that I get. Right, you right, know? right. And it's not right. until you're there, and if you're a foreigner, you get to feel a little bit. If you're in one of the biggest cities like Seoul, that's kind of like the New York of South Korea, you don't right. really feel it. But right. I was in the southern region of the country, next to the second largest city. I was in the tenth largest city of the country, but I went all through the country. I didn't know when I would be back there, so I just took yeah. the opportunity to yeah, travel yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was in the green tea fields in Western South Korea, and you know, it's like you realize that people have never literally seen someone like you before in their life. Like you were the first one in their life they've ever mm -hmm. seen like you, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. their television doesn't reflect mm -hmm. even mainstream media, mm -hmm. which would probably give someone a little bit more exposure, but like, you That's know, right. you're the yeah. only one. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that reaction, and she would have that same experience, and she would tell me about it, you know, and yeah. how her family would react to her, how her grandmother would react to her, mm -hmm. how she was just so not part of, you know, the family. And as alternative as I am, like, my family, my immediate family at least, has always accepted me, so I still don't even know what it feels like. But putting, putting my experience in that space, um, yeah. or experiencing myself in that space has led me to definitely grow a lot coming back to Miami. After South Korea, I traveled and visited all my friends and family that I missed for the year. I'm like, look, South Korea drained me. I need to see all you beautiful faces. I went from New York 
to DC, um, Atlanta, Miami, Lauderdale, Tallahassee, Bahamas, Jamaica. I visited all my friends and family all over the US and the Caribbean, and then I settled back home. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you, you know. And the other thing about, I have to say about America is that not only they don't understand, really understand the whole world, because when you leave your country, and like, I think that of, I'm going to say 90% of us immigrants who come here to freedom. I mean, yeah, people came also for like financial opportunity, but I think that's a separate. Yeah, even when you think you come to make money, quickly you figure out that you're staying freedom, you know, the individual freedom. It may be like a fucked up system, <laughs> you know, like not an actual democracy, etc., etc. But compared to the old world, it's so freeing because there's such a mix of us, right? So we're allowed all this diversity, much more than like we, we know. But then you go back where you came from, where everyone is alike, and there is just such an antipathy for any difference, you know, it's oh tribal. You know, like the tribe has not ended. Here we get to make our own tribes. There you cannot. It, you know, it is what it is. So you have to like speak the language. You have to pretend. You know, when I go back, I'm always like in, in, in character. It's like I'm in a play. I know the dialogue because I grew up with it. <laughs> you know, and I, I spew it out. But I don't think that I ever say anything true or authentic, really. I mean, I may, like you said, with my parents in private, in their bedroom, late at night, hoping for the best. <laughs> but that's it. That's the extent of it. So, it's, you know, it's important for America to start to understand that, both to appreciate what we have, and also to understand how difficult it is to export what we have to other countries, you know? So like when you have whatever, you know, the Bush administration saying we're gonna bring democracy, it's like, you don't know anything about those people. You have no idea. I don't know, you know, we don't know unless we belong in that group of people, you know, what they believe in. You don't understand how insular they are. We cannot speak their language, you know? We have so much work to do before we get to a place where the world is freer. Um, like, and it's a valuable and honorable work. I hope we will do it. And this is a little bit what we're doing, which is sharing our truth with everyone, with, you know, including people of the future <laughs> who like will play this and learn about, you know, what we're all about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's something that I did in South Korea as well. Like, I did. Teaching has definitely taught me that I always want to teach no matter what, like no matter what, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I host by, I was hosting by monthly women's circles as well, and that's, I mean, not not the full lens was completely teaching, but all the women learned something, you know, yeah. every single woman, yeah. every single time learned yeah. something, yeah. and I like to host that type of space, and I always want to be able to cultivate that type of space. Yeah. When I was in South Korea, I mean, I should damn near got fired for having shit that I can tell these kids, but um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, just just um, just like one of my. But the thing about it is, you you have to be a student who wanted to learn that, you know. And it goes back to you saying that you can you can say you want to export your democracy, but you have to be cognizant of what you're exporting and who you're exporting to and what it's going to do and if they want to accept it, you know. But if they do want to accept it, then you can it's like foreign aid. It's like you say you wanna come help us, but you're just doing your own thing. And you just you just trying to tell me that it's something that we need. 
that is not really something that we need. Mm-hmm. Like, give us what we're asking you. Don't give us what you right. you need to give us. So right. when I was in South Korea, there's a lot of students who I just went the regular regimen. I just did the fit and right. curriculum, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. like learn these, learn these skills. Um, right. <laughs> and then there's students where I was in a class with just like one student. You know, and I was just like, you know, they were talking to me about America, talking to me about a bunch of things, talking to me about drugs, um, stuff that's like non-existent in the country. And I'd be like, oh yeah, well, let me tell you a little bit about this, oh, or let's watch some 305 videos on 705. Oh, like, let me just show you where I'm from, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that opened up their minds. So who knows, you know? Who knows yeah. what's going to happen oh, 10 years from now when they got into most of this, but they would have never been expected. Oh my God, opening that door that that's so important. It doesn't close. Mm-hmm. remember it. Yeah. So okay. So you came back. Um, were you even toward YouTube meeting? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Came back to Miami. Uh-huh. I was here going on my third year back. Oh, okay. My first year was 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working in Wynwood, um, living, living with some family friends that um, I was really close to when I grew up here. And then six months later, I went into my own apartment. Um, I was um, seeing someone who was like kind of weird and toxic, like finished that out, spent a whole year just developing myself, like definitely knew that the first year I was back, I was starting a lot of things that I definitely wanted to, um, that definitely served as development for what I was going to pursue. Like I did a lot of stuff, like I hosted a, uh, um, vegan brunch series, I hosted my own art music and soul food festival, I was doing modeling and I was doing dancing and I was like singing if I could do a little bit of acting here. Yeah, I was like doing a lot. Um, and I told myself, you know what, not that I can't do everything, I can, but I just need to do everything at a certain time and not all at the same time. So mm-hmm. let me just spend this next year just doing modeling stuff. So just doing that, um, getting more involved with people who are creatives around Miami and um, connecting with people that um, I just knew in the scene. And that is how we met. Like uh, two years later, um, this year actually, we were at this, um, this, there's a creative in Miami, his name is um, Danny. He runs this um, business called Roots Collective. And you can go there for all types of stuff. You can do printing at Roots, you can do event hosting. Um, they have like art curating and all types of stuff. So I'm there celebrating Danny's birthday. And he walks in, mm-hmm. and um, I see him, and I'm like, "Wow, that guy was really cool." Oh yeah, he does. And he's walking with two women who I know. Um, one I've known for a while, dancing with this uh, dance collective that I'm a part of called Future Steps, and another one who I had just met, who worked with my other collective, which is called the Goddess Collective. They will be here later on today, and um, we did our second. Um, Goddess series, and she was one of the hairstylists. She did almost everyone's hair there, and I was like, "Wow, these two women, these two collectives that I know, walking with this guy, it looks really cool. That's nice." Mm-hmm. And they immediately introduced us, and then we started talking. We pretty much like had been separated since. Oh, yep. So did you identify as a dominant already, or some sort of? I don't know what the name is for the character. Interesting. <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, I think that I guess like interacting with Indigo has taught me a lot about being dominant. Although I 
I identify as a dominant person, like I'm definitely alpha, you know, right. and I'm definitely alpha out in the streets, okay, but I pride myself on being alpha in the, in the streets and southern sheets, so I usually identify as being submissive, I also have shelters, I also love, you know, um, someone taking control, I'm usually so not the is more of the public. Not so much the, the private no, expression, it but is, more it's also private. Okay. And it's also, um, it's helped me understand the development of that public and private. So I'm usually more dominant, I told him, I'm usually more dominant with women. I identify mm. as pansexual. I usually just like, get attracted to the energy and um, physically attracted to, like, I definitely have to be turned on by you. Um, yeah. But it doesn't really matter like, who you are. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I do find that when I'm dealing with women as a person, Kind of get into the regimen of being more dominant with women and more submissive with men, and I've never really yeah. interacted that much with a openly masochistic or like like to be submissive man. So mm -hmm. for me, it's just something I haven't really explored because it just hasn't happened before, but not because it's not within myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, most people who don't have a very strong calling that comes from their own psychosexual development are usually switches, which is, you know, they, they like to try both uh, sides of the power exchange, um, you know, within a, some sort of hard limit, because, you know, they're switching. And I do think that it's easier, you know, if kind of like your first instinct is to be the dawn when there is no, whatever you want to call it, romance, love, you know, intimacy involved, because it's just so much easier. So unless you're like, a hardcore sub, it's easier to just be the dom when you have a scene with someone because you're both attracted and you're trying it out and you're playing. But that's the end of that. Like, you don't want to, you know, love them into eternity, <laughs> necessarily. Because <laughs> um, I think for a woman, you know, being a sub, you have to have a lot of trust. So you have to give up a lot that when you're a woke feminist woman, it's just harder. So, you know, you need to do the work first and have a sense of who you're giving it up to. Um, but anyway, what I loved about you guys, without knowing anything about your story, which I'm finding out now, is that you have the, the strength and, you know, the, the wisdom, I'm gonna say, <laughs> to actually go out in public and, you know, the girl is holding the leash, and Indigo, the beautiful boy, is wearing the leash, and he's wearing the cups on his uh, wrists, and he's yeah, the choker. <laughs> the choker says toy boy, and then there are like chains all around, and but also like all the you know beautiful rocks that show the awakening. So it's not just you know, control at all. It's just kind of, it seems to me like a rebirth and growth and a blossoming, mm -hmm. right? True. Um, and then you have like, you, I, don't, I don't even know what you've done to those beautiful <laughs> reds. <laughs> oh, uh, like seashells yeah. and feathers and beads and colors, all you know, pink and mm. and, um, and then a lot of piercings. So I would love to hear both about the story of, of, of you know, how you've remade yourself into the man you're now, and also like how you identify in this in this relationship between the two of you, how you each identify. So if you want to tell us a little bit about 
your story and then meeting Ayanda that night. Okay. <laughs> and then how you guys became who you are now. Alright, so basically, you know, I'm raised by all women, mm. all girls. Mm. I'm actually the middle child. Mm. And so I was brought up, I couldn't do nothing. Mom <laughs> very dominant, very strict, mm. you know, just she wasn't really a good parent. She mm. was a great provider. Mm. But the thing that she was providing us with, I didn't really want. I always never liked having a bunch of things. I like experiencing. Mm. I realized that at an early age. Mm. And, you know, so I never felt like I been alone anywhere. You know, as far as I never had any real friends, all I had was really myself. I didn't feel connected to none of my siblings. Even though I love them, I appreciate them, but I still don't feel like that's my, that's only some type of spiritual contract to be far as my family, but mm -hmm. I never really felt like that's who I belong to. And I believe that, you know, probably because I'm a middle child, you know, because of middle child, I read that we create our own families outside of our actual, you know, household. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, anyways, I've always been like abnormal, I've always been like an outcast, I've always been like not of the status quo norm. You know, if everybody's over here, I'm over there in the corner somewhere. Mm, that's um, my people. We're all in that corner. So, um, I always had my own. I never was into fashion designers. Like people look at me, think I'm so. I'm like, this is every single day. You know? <laughs> um, but most, she would actually buy me a bunch of clothing, and I would get on punishment because. I would put all this clothing in the back of the closet and only wear my own particular stuff. I've always been like, I guess you would call it alternative, mm. goth if you must call it. You know, I've always been very emo. I've always been like into my own mind. I guess being that far deep into my mind, it made me emotionally, mm. you know, disturbed in a sense. Because I would think about things like, is it okay for me to think it? I was just thinking. Far things is out the norm. Um, but you know, can I just say, like, what the fuck is the norm? It's a statistical Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've been gone, I've gone through hell mm -hmm. and back. 
and back to hell again. And it is what it is. You know, I, I appreciate all that I've been through because it got me to where I'm at now, which mm -hmm. what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, I remember at an early age, I was walking. I had little friends. I remember I seeing this lady. She was talking to a plant. I was like 10 years old. This lady was talking to a plant. And I was just staring at her. She looked at me and was like, you know, come help me. And I went and helped her and start gardening. Literally, I know she was a freaking witch. Wow. And she automatically told me, she said, you're a Hindu girl. Aww. Yeah, she's immediately, I do not know so what a Hindu Exactly, basically. And she's like, you're not like everybody else. She's like, you know, and she just, I just kept coming around, coming around. She kept teaching me this and that. Um, always having me water plants, kept having me water, so doing certain things that I've already done, but she just see testing my patience and seeing if I'm ready to go to another level. And, and I mean, just perhaps. So that was like a mentorship. Yes, exactly. She's like my spiritual mentor, and it just took me to higher heights and learning more about herbs and just all around just elements. You know, she dealt with a lot of fire with the candles. You know, she had a bunch of wind chimes. She did a lot of gardening. You know, she did tarot reading. She was a medium. She was all around just you know, but not even because of her. I've always saw words. I've always could feel you know maybe a little bit too much. Um, I've always like no, it's not too much. It's just you know the yeah. babies again. It's, I'm, I'm translating. Mm -hmm. I'm okay, no, that'd be fine. I just like to translate some things for our listeners, and I think that what we seeing is what what you know one would call feeling too much. Mm -hmm. It's just that the language is limiting mm -hmm. because the language that we speak is like basically a compromise for the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. So like we first came up with language to like trade. You know, make money, effort this much, how much do you have, right? So very basic stuff. And I think that we keep it that way, so it's transactional, but really the ability of the words that were given to express the vast, you know, realm of what we feel, what we sense, what we, you know, psychically or magically pick up on, it's just impossible. There aren't the words for it. But I think that a lot of us feel that more than we know because there are no words, so people are just keeping silence or maybe they, they silence what they feel because they don't know how to share it. But it's legit and it's part of being human. And so trying to, to talk about it as hard as it is, I think is you know, important and heroic. The same way that like this witch in, in, in England, you know, she gave you such a gift and as we were saying, the portal, mm -hmm. right? And she did it for free, out of like a calling, mm -hmm. which is again, you know, so beautiful, especially in, you know, today's world where we think like we should be getting paid for just like existing. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing that, you know, you just share what you know for the love of them. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, yeah. So, you know, and you were feeling too much. I was feeling a lot. A lot. <laughs> and then I realized I didn't know if it was coming from me, if it was coming from some outside source. I didn't know if it was coming from some type of planetary, mm. you know, it was going on in the cosmos. I really didn't know where a lot of this energy that I was feeling was coming from. Sometimes it overwhelmed me and I'm just like, oh, I can't be around nobody. I'd be like ducked off being a hermit for periods of time and you like, you know, and I was cutting off people, not cutting off, I was disconnecting myself mm. from just any outside sources. I really want to see where square root is, is coming from. And, you know, long story short, um, I realized that as I'm an empath, a lot of stuff that's affected me has nothing to do with me at all. 
So, you know, of course, conjuring up crystals, feel connected to certain crystals, because they're like the angels of the earth, you know? They, they repel things that no longer that should not come for you. They absorb what needs to be absorbed. They do what they do. They uplift, harness your vibrations, you know, activate certain chakras. I mean, I love it. So it actually helped me, even like just, okay, I wear this hematite on my ring. Like, I, I have to be grounded. I have to be grounded at all times. And I'm an earth sign, so I'm already naturally calm and collective, but I do get a little warm because I'm so energy sensitive. Um, so, like, crystals really helped me a lot. Um, being able to, like, just breathe, realizing that I'm breathing. You know, sometimes I forget that I'm breathing, so when I breathe, it actually brings me back into this present moment. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, say, yeah, taking a deep inhale. Exactly. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I've always been into candles. You know, like, but one thing about magic, I realized that magic is not something that you do. It's magic is something that you are. Mm -hmm. So I realized that everything that I was doing, wherever I was going, I was affecting people. Mm -hmm. And I could see the magic in my life, like, every single day. Like, just like you were saying, um, just when you, when you are with uh, coffee beans, right. uh, yeah. you know, watch this, whatever you do. Three good teeth. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you have the uh, the pot one, you can. Two candles going right here, then. Yeah, mm -hmm. I see that. Yeah. And I love it. it's, it's a black candle, correct? Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it purifies it's the like space. It's a protection candle. I love it. I see that. I know it's the first one I came yeah. in. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just love just everything that's metaphysical. I had. I'm passionate about it. This is my life. You know, like I resort to this before any, you know, anything other than that. Yeah. Um, Great. So, how did you make your way from there to Miami? Well, actually, I was traveling. Uh -huh. I'm a traveler. You know, I'm a nomad. I don't feel connected Sweet. to no place. Like people ask me where I'm from. Actually, I tell them from the fifth dimension. <laughs> literally, literally, I tell them I'm from the fifth dimension. I am from nowhere and everywhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I love traveling. I love experiencing. I love being out of my comfort zone. Because I'm so focused, I've, I've become so loyal, so married to situations and people where nothing else I can get my attention and I'll lose my awareness. Mm -hmm. So if I remain, so I have no choice but to remain out of my comfort zone so I can be able to be open to this vast, just so much beautiful wonders and just prolific lifestyles and beautiful people and all this abundance. Like I usually, I create limitations in my life due to my tunnel vision and focus on that one thing or people right. or whatever right. it is that I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. So I try to like disrupt my comfort zone with travel, yeah. being around countries that I do not speak the same language, where they right. do not see people like me. And they're like, oh my gosh, what is that? And like, you know, like far as this, I love causing disruption in people's lives. Mm -hmm. As soon as people think they got their lives figured out and think that they like, oh, only this way until you see somebody like me, you're like, what the is going on. That's education where we were just saying with Ayana, you know, mm -hmm. they're educating you mm -hmm. and you're educating them and it's just happens. Yeah. And so crossing paths with somebody so you, like you travel the world. I travel the world, mm -hmm. you know, that's all I do. That's all I do is travel the world. Um I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. I had the opportunity in traveling like 43 different countries because a friend of mine, she was a flight attendant. Mm. So she had me on her buddy pass. So, you know, I took full advantage of that. And it was, it was definitely a fun, you know, uh, experience, great. you know. Yeah. 
I've met a lot of people, you know, I've done been rich, I've been financially rich, I've done stayed in castles, I stayed in mansions, I stayed in penthouses, I stayed in slums, I slept on the floor, I stayed in section eight public housings, I've done all of it, you know, and it's all an experience at the end of the day and I met a lot of cool dope souls in the process of it. So yeah, exactly. um, but yeah. yeah, so I became a product of all places that I've been, you know, mm-hmm. and I like what I like. Mm-hmm. And I became all the things that I like, you know, mm-hmm. as you see, like I have magenta uh, nails right here, mm-hmm. you know, I have magenta hair. Like mm-hmm. I just like how it represent, represents like a lotus flower. Mm-hmm. And lotus flowers come from out of murky, muddy, dirty water. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like that stuff. I feel like that symbolizes and represents me for the most part. Um, also, magenta. I like how it almost sounds a lot like majestic. Mm. And I like that word majestic a lot. You know, it actually kind of like makes me feel that much more like. Mm-hmm. Well, there is something royal about you too, separately at least. I don't know if you get that. <laughs> I don't know if the niche is royal. Yeah. But, you know, there is definitely that, you know, impression mm-hmm. that we each have. You know, that there is like a royal essence, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good um, place to be in. For sure. Um, and as far as like my sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very, very just raw, open, and real. Um, for one, I am not gay, and I will not confirm nor deny that to anybody who actually asks me that. Mm-hmm. However, I'm being very truthful. I am not gay. However, I enjoy being the mind fuck. I enjoy causing. Wait, being the the one who. That's the mind fucking or who is the mind fucking? No, I, no, I like to be mind too. Like, okay. not, you know, I, I enjoy that. But I am the mind Because you don't know. You know how many women come in Because it's so hard to put exactly. you in a category, period. Because there's no Hallelujah. Category. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> there is yeah. no category for yeah. No. At all. Like, if, if you pay the <laughs> and you are not in a category as mm-hmm. a result. Yeah. Exactly. So, um,. For the most part, like I so, the women come up to you. You like you said you were saying. Um. Yeah, they come up to me asking me. You know, are you? I got a quick ask question. Are you? Are you gay or something? <laughs> I'm a mind fuck. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like seriously, no. But for are you? Like I said, I'm a mind fuck. I'm not. I'm not gay. Mm-hmm. Nor am I straight. Mm-hmm. I am a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. I have big dick energy. You know, <laughs> like, I'm confident in who I am. You know? Simple as that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I wear lashes. Mm-hmm. I wear, you see, I have eyeliner on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I love the eyeliner. I mean, I've mm-hmm. always felt, you know, one of, of the things that I've always, you know, felt sad about in my life is that the men around do not have the freedom to use what we women use mm-hmm. on ourselves to present different looks and different images, you know. When I was in college, I was dating my boyfriend like would change his hair color every month and he had eyeliner and he wore like a black mini skirt over his black tights and I was like oh, you know he's so amazing <laughs> but then you you know you come back into the world where you have you have a job he, he hasn't done that since let's just say <laughs> um, and it's so hard to meet people who will take that liberty and and if they do then they are not um, of the you know of the everyday system as we know it, mm-hmm. so I would love it to become more normative, you know, mm-hmm. for men to just present themselves with the same freedom, you know, creatively yes. in fashion the way we do. Mm-hmm. Why not? Exactly. They, they would love it. It would be so liberating and fun for them, you know. 
I don't know why it's taking so long for that to kick in. I don't know who like is stopping it. <laughs> but anyway, so I appreciate you mm -hmm. the way you look because of that. You know, because you make us women also feel less objectified, right? Because when a man becomes also equally like an object of beauty, um, it changes the way we feel about ourselves. We suddenly, you know, we no longer feel like we're going to get picked you know, by the man but more that it's kind of like an equal and equivalent way of seeing each other and mm -hmm. expressing ourselves, you know? I mean, I can't imagine how revolutionary it would be mm -hmm. if women no longer thought that they are the gender who gets selected and that men are the gender who does the choosing and instead it was equal, mm -hmm. right? True. And I think like for, for men, that's one of the things that men can do is present themselves also as an object of desire, as an erotic object, or at least as a, you know, a, as a fascinating, you know, creature that, uh, you know, that, that can change and morph and be attractive because of that, because of what the man himself does. Instead of the man always assuming, okay, I gotta get a job, make some money, be like, uh, appear to be a good provider, and then I'll go out there and I'll like hunt some females. Ink! <laughs> you know? So anyway, so, that was my parenthesis again. <laughs> all right. I just love you as a male role model, so I'm making these sure. parentheses. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, but... Mindfucking. Yes, I'm a mindfuck. Yeah. I am a mindfuck. However, like I said again, I am a heterosexual man. Mm -hmm. um, with big dick energy. With big dick energy. <laughs> big dick, not energy, energy. Okay, energy. Energy, yeah. I-N-N-E-R, capital G. I realized that as a straight man, I have the power to make another straight man question his sexuality. By just being me, by just being me, I guess straight men look at me in ways that a woman would who is turned on. And I realized that I enjoy that. Of course. I take pleasure in that. I bask in that. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm all about truth. I'm all about finding out, exploring who you are, mm -hmm. knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's our problems in this society. We don't know who to freak me off. No. We don't. No. We don't even know where to start. No. And you know that's where people lie. Because mm -hmm. they don't know that they're even lying because they don't know what the mm -hmm. truth is. No. So, um,. It's, we live such a conform, every day-to-day, -day, repetitious, routine, conditioned exactly. life, you exactly. know, like from just from school to getting to college, marrying someone, mm -hmm. and having children. And mm -hmm. I enjoy actually disrupting um, homes. I am like a homewrecker. <laughs> I, take, I take pleasure without actually causing, without having any sexual intimacy with anyone. I enjoy being a homewrecker because it was already within you guys to have their home wrecked. Right. Mm -hmm. It just took the right person in the situation to just come forth to, you know, mm -hmm. prompt to like, mm -hmm. wow. And it's okay to like what you like. Mm -hmm. You know how many Caucasian, probably around 35, 40 years old women that sees me with their family and look and try to and look away? And I'm like, no, it's okay, look. It's almost like they have to ask permission to look. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I enjoy it because now forever I'm in her mind. She might just go home, sleep with her husband, think about me. Mm -hmm. Like I do not sleep with myself. I believe this. It's just I capture so much when they when they I I can feel everything that happens when they observe mm -hmm. me, even children. 
children look at me, it's like I'm an action figure, like I'm a super villain. Like they just look at me, cannot keep their eyes off of me. And then their parents be like, oh, come on, like you're trying to keep them away from looking at somebody like me. But I already know, once just that one glance, just that one glance, that glimpse of me, I'm being your mind forever, I'm forever in your memories museum. Mm -hmm. And I love it, and I love it, because this is real, pure, creative energy with good intentions right. backing me up. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. do not feel any kind of remorseful on whoever lives I impact, whether if I wreck your home or made your home better. I know at the end of the day, it's all part of the divine time and the divine order. Yeah, to break down the stereotypes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. People don't even know that I mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so, um, but... Unless you guys imagine so good. I don't know who it is. I mean, it's so bad. It's The moment you walk, this is all you were thinking. I'm like, ah, oh, I just love being in like, all factory existence. <laughs> I love, I love scent, I love aromatherapy, I love how just somebody can look at you and then smell the scent on you and mm -hmm. forever, you forever. And remember like, that scent, yes. yeah, you know. I know. That's interesting, you know, sometimes like you think back in your life, whatever, memory lane, right? And I'm surprised how often I will remember visually, you know, a lover, for example, but I no longer remember their smell. Mm -hmm. And then there are people like you, like I may forget a lot about you, you know, 10 years from now, but I remember this smell because it's just mm -hmm. so, you know, it, not only it's powerful, but it also gets somewhere deeper. Mm -hmm. Like we were saying, like way pre-verbal, mm -hmm. you know, like an ancient place where we recognize each other for mm -hmm. So, yeah. But, in, and, but you make that for mm -hmm. Like you're aware of it. What I love about sense, it holds certain vibrations. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, like, I'm into like neuroscience, I'm into psychology, I'm into human behavior, I'm into all of this. So when I smell smells and have certain sense, I realize that it does more than just smell good. It right. actually is like a pheromone, it right. attracts, it attracts right. what people not even knowing why they're, it's alluring, very alluring, mm -hmm. I love that. To the point, if it can lure you, that means it can lure a situation, it can lure manifestations of things that I really want. I just gotta put myself in that position to for it to actually happen. Agreed. You know, and Agreed. you know, so I love sense. I love knowing that I can walk past somebody and it does something to them subconsciously right. after that, not even realizing. Right. You mm -hmm. know, and I know it can it can definitely make penises hard. It can make vaginas oh, wet. Yeah. yeah. It can. Oh, yeah. It can, and I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. That. We forget it because like we're so programmed that it has to be mm -hmm. only interpersonal. Mm -hmm. You know that someone has to wanna like love us before we get hard or wet, especially wet. Mm -hmm. I mean, guys are a little more visual. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's yeah. We can no. just get turned on by the smell or by energy. It's pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And as me and Ayana was speaking the other day, um, I realized that yes, I'm a hedonist. Mm -hmm. Very, very uh, uh, hedonistic. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, that's it. Yes. Okay. So, so, so yeah. <laughs> so, recorded, and yeah. I think you're right in the middle. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoy. I bask in pleasure. Anything mm -hmm. that's pleasurable is you getting my attention. You're pleasurable, as she said, certain things are just objectively beautiful and pleasurable. Mm -hmm. So I like making myself that object, you know, mm -hmm. of pure pleasure. Yeah, and a, that's your act of rebellion. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not going to be on no roof with a hammer nail breaking a nail. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not You know, like, no, no, no. You know, I just enjoy erotic. You're not gonna be building the barn. I'm not building the barn. <laughs> barn. Ah, no, barn, bars, no, I'm not building it. You may get shot to that. I love it. I love it. I love you guys. 
I will build something that will outlive me, though. Mm. You know, I truly say I will build something that will outlive me, whatever that may be. Mm. You know, I'm working on it right now. You know, mm. um, but yeah. So I. So what are you working on? <sighs> <Well, laughs> Redefining things. Um. Yes. Um. Causing disruption. Mm. You know, just so people can actually find themselves again. Mm. You know, and realize that it's okay to be who you are. It's mm. okay to like what you like. Mm. It's okay to like things that you never knew you liked. Mm. And it's okay to dislike something that you thought that you once liked. Mm -hmm. You know, so basically attachment, detachment, mm -hmm. and you can attach yourself to whatever it is that you want. Mm -hmm. And I realize that people, they like what they like, and yet they're scared to like it because of family, friends, close ones that surround them. Just feel like they're gonna judge them for liking what they like. And then if I tell you, hey, Ayana, I like this, and then I no longer like it, I'm scared to tell you that I no longer like oh it. Oh my God, like yeah, that's the biggest no thing. Can I just mm -hmm. share, I totally agree. You know, I think that part of like the categories that we were talking about, whatever they are, you know, bi, gay, straight, top, bottom, blah, blah, blah. It's like the assumption is that it's your identity. Mm -hmm. So every time, like, and we all evolve and change and change our tastes and change our moods, right? But then it becomes so hard to tell people that, okay, I no longer want to be whatever, a boy, a girl, mm -hmm. straight, gay, etc. Because it, it was my identity. I made such a big deal out of it before. And if you change it, let's say you change it once more, but then like again, maybe if you want to change it in a few years, it becomes harder and harder. So like a lot of people end up right back in the closet mm -hmm. because they have such a hard time, like, you know, coming out. But if it wasn't an identity, if we were all like fluid and free to be, we were moved to be, you know, in a certain time, in a certain place, that would be like, again, you know, revolutionary, which is what you're doing and saying, you know, that it doesn't mean that you're a top always or a bottom always or whatever the configuration is, you know, you're just fluid. Mm -hmm. Very true. So how did you two meet? Let's go back to that night at the, at the birthday party. Okay, so... <laughs> Roots Collective. So, um, I've been driving a lot of my friends around. You know, like that's like I got the one with the car right now, the reliable vehicle. So I'm like, all right, I'm always doing these favors to all my friends. I love all my friends dearly, you know, and all my friends are brujas. They're all witches. I love it. You know, so um, I got a random phone call from my friend, her name is Robia. She's actually a celebrity hairstylist. And she hit me up, was like, hey, you know, if you could take me out to Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm on my way to go pick her up. I get a phone call from my other bruja, and <laughs> her name is Carmen, and she does all types of witchery. Like she's amazing, and she gets me up like, "Hey, um, you trying to go out to this place called Roots House? Like it's it's amazing. I've been telling you about it. You've been kind of like avoiding it for the longest. I'm not. I'm a real introvert, really. I've been trying to stay away. I'm not really on the scene or none of that. So she's like, "No, I want you to come." I was like, ah, "All right." Let me drop off my um, homegirl, uh, Robia, first. She's like, oh no, change of plans. Robia's not going to Fort Lauderdale anymore. She's coming with us. I'm like, so you just manipulating and finessing this whole situation. But all right, cool. So um, we picked up, me and um, my homegirl, Connor, went picked up um, our friend Robia, the head of uh, celebrity hairstylist, and we went over to Ruth's house. Now, mind you, I had no plans in the morning. I was gonna just drop them off, and they kind of like swindled me, like, no, they just bullied me, muscled me, no, you're coming. I was like, Ugh, all right. I just looked so just normal, and even my normal was like, yes. my normal okay. is like, I'm my sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I let her on a laugh because I look so normal. Like, people are gonna laugh at me, point like, finger, like, ha 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 ha. People are gonna, yeah, just have eyeliner on, ha ha, you know. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, I love you too, my love. It's all mutual. So I'm walking, and I see her. She has freaking a shaved head. She's wearing like this vintage, not vintage, like this amazing uh, um, dress. Um, and she's wearing a choker with spikes in it with a hook. I was hook harness. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I, that's amazing. It's a freaking amazing, I wasn't even talk to her, but I acknowledged it and just so happened both of my friends knew her. knew her and they didn't even know each other. That was their first time meeting oh, wow. each other and they both knew all the mutual, they know all the same mutual people. That's how you know the energy were all interconnected. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so they was like, hey, I got to introduce you to my friend. This is Ayana. And she just walked off. All of a sudden, my other friend, she's like, hey, this is Ayana. Oh my gosh, you guys are only talking. And I literally, me and her was talking for like hours. I didn't even talk to nobody else. And me and her were just talking and talking and talking. And when I first saw her, I said, yo, your face looks familiar. And she was like, oh, I probably saw me on old social media. And I was like, I think I have. So prior to this, two weeks ago, two weeks before I met Ayana, I actually have a friend, another friend of mine. She's a, also a bruja. And me and her was, was, we was in the parking lot, you know, she was talking about, yo, man, you have such an interesting look. How come you're not putting yourself out there? Like, you really are, your aesthetics is like amazing. Like, you cannot deny this. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like underground. I like being behind the scenes. She's like, no, F that. Like, whatever I can do to put you in front of the camera or something, we're going to make this shit happen. Man. We need to capitalize off of you being you because people out here is not being authentic, but yet they're using your type of look as a trend now. That's right, and it's all fake. It's all fake. And she's like, you actually are authentically you. You're actually catch you in these sex shops. We'll catch you in these mystic shops. We'll catch you in botanical shops. We'll catch you in sex dungeons. We'll catch you all these places. You really authentically, genuinely, organically are you. And I was like, damn, well, so you put it that way. I was like, well, you put me, you, you, I'll put me in these little castings and stuff like that. And okay, she's like, listen, this is photographer, this dope, dope photographer that you have to meet. Here, follow her on Instagram. I'm going to show you her Instagram. Her name was Jade. Mm. I saw Jade's work. I was like, oh my fucking gosh. Because I go on Instagram and be uninspired. You just got the regular, basic, beautiful chicks who's standing by the poolside looking so basic. And I was like, yeah, you're beautiful. You do a beautiful, basic. Random bad bitch, excuse my French. Well, really, like it's not. I'm not. It's make my dick hard a little bit, but it doesn't really like do it for me because I am a sapiosexual. I have to be mentally stimulated. Also, I'm into creativity. Oh, you're sapiosexual. Like yeah. I'm talking about, like beyond. Like I get mind fucked so much by um, Ayana. Ayana. Like her mind's out there. She's in the Ebus for real. So, <laughs> for real, you know. Um. So she turns me on to this girl named Jade. When I saw Jade's photos, I said, oh my gosh, I was bought. I was bought. I said, thank you. I was like, fuck yes. This shit is amazing. Her art. I've seen random shots of a woman breastfeeding in the middle of like the street, just like, mm -hmm. okay, what are you going to do about it? You mm -hmm. know? And I saw Ayana, her collectives, their parent, they're, they call themselves the goddess collectives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is pure, genuine art. I was bought, I was a fan. It just so happened, I just found out about her two weeks before I actually met her. It just so happened, I crossed paths with her. I was like, dude, you look so familiar. Then she went on her Instagram like this. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, it's you. I was like, I just found out about you like two weeks ago. And she was like, oh, thank you. I was just kept 
just flat got like really like stroking her ego, not even trying to, but I was so like happy knowing the fact that I actually was able to cross the path with her. And me and her just connected on that level and it just the energy was surreal. And you know, I appreciate every moment. You know, she actually took a liking to me. I think she kinda like likes me a little bit. Aww. You know, she likes me a little bit. So I'm like <laughs> she actually calls me, you know, like I'm used to people you know, you gotta realize I'm used to people getting caught in the moment. I don't take like people see me they get caught in the moment and then they once we long, no longer in front of each other in front of each other, it loses momentum. They don't reach out and I'm always the one that's like realizing like, okay, I'm like a vacation. People come out want to have a good time with a vacation, then they have to go back to their boring, regular schmegular, regular lives. Like uh-huh. and having me like down. I'm just uh-huh. a Disneyland, I'm just a Disney world. And actually when you see me wearing boy to each other. I mean honestly, you know, you're like the and is the to do with being erotic or anything sexual. Mm-hmm. I realize who I am to most people. People see me and they immediately, like, they don't like me for me. They like me for them. They like the idea of me, but they don't actually like me because if you really like me, are you really into sex dungeons? Are you into freaking this whole witchery? You know, like, are, this is I actually am raw and authentic in my lifestyle. This isn't this isn't fashion. I'm not fashion savvy. I'm I'm really getting who I am. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not doing this to impress. I really mm-hmm. do this to express. Nice. And exactly. Express. And when they see that, I'm like, oh, like I thought she just looked like that. No, come on, like these candles. Let's practice some sex magic. Let's really harness this orgasm and really manifest something. And they're like, yo, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to do that. But you know, but with Ayana, on the other hand. So are you guys, so you're a primary, primary with each other? I'm her boy toy. I'm her boy toy. Let's, let's try not even put a label. Does she or, have any other boy toys? If she <laughs> she wants, takes her around with each. Do you want more? More leashes? <laughs> if she would like a boy toy, if that's truly what she desires, I'm all about fulfilling your desires. Mm. If she truly wishes to have as many couples, as many partners, that's her will. I'm all about freedom. I'm all about liking what you like by nature, by biology. To, to deny to deny biology is to deny nature. I feel like I am not the only guy who her vagina is going to get wet for. And I'll be lying to myself if I tell you that her vagina is going to, my, my, my penis is the only, hold on. Right, exactly, like she's not going to be the only one who's going to get me rock solid hard. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And I'll be lying to myself, convincing myself, trying to believe that she trusts me. She's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, I don't want to call her a woman. She's a beautiful goddess. Like, she is, yeah. like, beyond her energy. is like, to infinity mm-hmm. beyond. But however, I'd be in Brooklyn, like, oh my gosh, yoga pants and camel toes all day. I love it. <laughs> you know? And I can be that way around mm-hmm. her. I love how much, like, she embraces me to be free. I literally went through hell for a whole year living within the boundaries of someone else's comfort zone. And you know, and I had to break free from that. But being around Ayana, like I can tell her whatever the fuck is on my mind and that's that I will not be judged. Maybe we all be like that, I know. Well you that's know? what they meant a little bit by primary, mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. that there's room for secondary and third and fourth fourth, you know, source of pleasure. Mm-hmm. But you have kind of a you know, overall commitment to each other that I wouldn't break you.
Yeah, being with each other. Yeah. He's definitely against labels. I mm-hmm. am definitely not against them. I actually wrote an article on labels, um, mm-hmm. and I wrote it for this woman. Um, her name is I cannot remember it. Um, she does this thing called the Five Women Quarterly, which she mm-hmm. um, she came to speak in my college, and she um, did a bisexuality one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. speaking session and had some mm-hmm. talkbacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love what she said. I was identifying as bi at the time and um, I was like, yeah, this is this is amazing. Um, and we had one, she does different themes and everyone who's kind of like connected to the like association can write if they want to submit. And I've submitted, I think, three articles. So um, you can find it online, the Bible and Quarterly. She's based in Boston. And one of them was on labels. And the one thing that I said was like we we as people usually rely on a dichotomous way of thinking. And so it's either gay or straight, it's either this or that, you know, black or white. Um, and a lot of times the labels that you get are so limiting. Um, they are just not, you know, like why even identify as them. Like um, I, right. I come to realize that I'm not I'm not against labels. I'm like I'm all for labels that that express who I am. Exactly. So, um, I'm not. I'm not against being an advice pansexual. Pansexual is so vast that mm-hmm. yeah, that is that is a complete description. You know, <laughs> like that's not that's not limiting. Mm-hmm. So um, I do. I mean, I feel like he's my primary. You know, like I feel like I'm super connected to him and any other relationship that I could possibly have, I know that he's for because I'm for it and he's all for freedom. And I know that I can do whatever I want and this is all I ever wanted. So it's mm-hmm. it's almost as if it's the perfect connection yeah. with someone. Yeah. You know? I agree with you and, and the reason I agree with you is that I think labels help people like understand and break out. Now so you don't need labels in the because you're already like completely beyond. Mm-hmm. So power to you. But I feel that like for most people, having names, lots of possible names and labels gives them that comfort that they need to say, Oh, okay, I'm more like that and oh I get it, like I could do that, you see? Whereas when you expect average yeah, the average, like whatever, working stiff, no pun intending, <laughs> you know, to kind of like morph into whatever is, you know, required if I ever came at the moment, that's much more difficult. So like in my own life, um, I found, I, I'm a writer as well as an artist, so I wrote a, a book, one of the books I've written for Scrivener was about uh, sex in America at the end of the millennium, so I wrote it in like 1999. So I spent like a year or two traveling the country and like living with different types of people who practice alternate sexual lives um, and writing about them, interviewing them, all that. I'll give you a copy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what I found that that's how this whole project of like speaking sex began because I realized that they all had names and definitions for everything and that helped them. You know, they knew like how to talk to each other, they knew how to negotiate, you know, sex, scenes, play, top, bottom, you know, all that stuff. And instead, like the vast heteronormative majority didn't have any labels and they were just jumping into sex without knowing how to go about it. And you know, usually you expect like the guy by virtue of having the penis, <laughs> the big penis, to know like magically, I don't know, what to do with every woman's body. Not just one, every, every one, and we're all so different, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I realized that having all those terms that describe totally different types of sexual activity and exchange, power exchange was actually really useful. And I wish that you know the heteronormative world had them because it opens up your mind to what's possible out there, you know. And it's just it's not just like position, it's much more for me the exchange of power, you know, between lovers. Yes, yeah, so I support that. Yeah, right. I I love words, you know. Mm. I love words. So for me, I I I don't mind labels, and I thought I did actually in college was a discovery of me being like, all oh, these labels, and then me being like, you know what, some of these are okay. I can work with that, right. Yeah, um, and the article that I wrote is, you know, that like journey, that like I grew up thinking mm -hmm. this, I grew up thinking that, and then I thought, uh -uh, fuck all this, and then I realized, you know what, no, I don't fuck all that. Like, I just, you know, I, you just gotta find something that works for you, find something that describes mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. like what Justin describes you. And so what describes you guys? Be, <laughs> What's your word for this? <laughs> I don't know. I usually just like I call him my boy so because he likes it. He likes it. His words not mine. I enjoy it. I've always there. Like I said, with, like dealing with him has has helped me develop into someone I always like wanted to be and knew that I was. Um, so like. Holding him on the leash in public and being dominant. I am a female. I am dominant. Like mm -hmm. everyone around me knows mm -hmm. this. So it's not like I'm being something that I'm not, but it's just exhibiting that type of energy and a dynamic with a partner that is different than something I've ever done before. Oh, absolutely. Me, me, me being on the leash does not make me feel any less of a man. Thank you like, for saying that. Any less of a man. I enjoy it. I appreciate it. I enjoy causing disruption. I enjoy freaking just mind fucking people with it because I look. Maybe. But I'm very androgynous. Oh yeah, you're not very yeah. androgynous. Yeah, I'm just gonna say he doesn't. This is very, very. Don't know. It's no. this confusion. I enjoy the confusion. Well, you're it's like a new type of masculinity, mm -hmm. but you're not that even remotely feminine. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just gonna say for so, my, you know, and mm -hmm. again, it's just me being mm -hmm. subjective. Yeah. But to me, you're like a different type or a new type of man. Mm -hmm. But there is definitely a lot of masculinity. Yeah, even with like different things that you do that might be considered feminine with the makeup and the um, fingernail polish, when I describe them to people, I say that I mention his masculine attributes. I yeah. mention his masculine mannerisms because mm -hmm. to me, that's what turns me on. You know? right. And yeah. it's not that I can't date a queer man because I have before and I can, but mm -hmm. when a man identifies as a heterosexual male as he does, like masculine mannerisms is what's going to turn me on from a heterosexual male, and I'm not trying to put people in boxes, but I just realize that's what I like, and that's what that's what I get turned on from. So like the way that he looks, the way that he moves, the way that he walks, like it's all masculine, you know, mm -hmm. and that's I I like that absolutely. And I also think I mean it's it's just more attractive because you get the balance, like it would be much more again stereotypical if he was a really fun boy. You know, who was like getting, have had like the hair and the makeup and whatever. But if it's a masculine boy who does it, then you have the balance again, which makes it, you know, both more, more intriguing and more fulfilling, but also new. Yeah, I think it also might be the reason why you probably get a lot of questions because right. many times when boys are flamboyant, you don't really have people ask. It's not really a question. It's just not because they're not. It's like yeah. you almost an assumption, even if they're not. 
So right. when it comes to like, there's um this creative that we all know, and he's he always talks like this, and no one really knows if he's really queer. <laughs> it's a joke that we all say because like we really don't know. We're like you say you pray, but then again, we're always <laughs> asking questions. But with him, it's not. It's a question because they really don't know, not because it's obvious, you know, because of this confusion and because they don't know if the eyeliner is just something you put on or if it's you expressing yourself as a non-heterosexual man, but because you are masculine, like nothing about the way that you move is not. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and the other thing is that, you know, nowadays, I mean, post-gay, post-queerly gay, all of that, we've all been told that, well, maybe there is a chromosome, maybe, you know, being queer is like you're born this way, which actually is such a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of, you know, queerness, right? Um, if I think that if everybody got tested, you know, for that chromosome, it would be there's a lot of yeah, a lot of other things make you want to be queer, like sexual curiosity, for example. How basic is that? Mm. So it's nice to not have that as an excuse, you know. Oh well, maybe he was always fun since the day he was born, <laughs> you know, which is like so easy. No, it's who he likes to be. It's who he feels comfortable being, unlike anything. Now I must say that most of my friends are queer and gay. Like, I appreciate the gay community more than any yeah. community because yeah. actually they're the actual person who accepted me mm -hmm. for being who I am. Mm -hmm. So I have over here that's like, uh-uh. I have over there that's like, uh-uh. But yet this gay community is so welcoming. Like, yo, be who you are. Be mm -hmm. what you want to be. Like what you like. Mm -hmm. You know, express yourself. They're the only ones who embrace and root for me to be in that. So that's why I have a fond appreciation and respect for absolutely, the community. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, because they're being marginalized. Mm -hmm. They get yeah. it. They get they For one, trying to identify, uh, trying to identify your sexuality, trying to like, they've been through the emotional indebtedness mm -hmm. of themselves. And that's what I've reached too. You know, like I'm very well aware of who I am and what I am and what I And they also describe. Exactly, and I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Hell yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, so yeah, I I'm all for you know gay community just for the simple yeah. fact that yeah they support they they, they, yeah. they yeah. appreciate me they allow for me mm -hmm. to you know be who I am and without zero judgments. Mm -hmm. So I. No. So do you two live together or not yet? No. You like that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I left it all alone. I, I just washed my hands with it because of, okay. I had to get out of the situation with my ex. She, I'm not going to speak poorly upon her or nothing, but I had to disconnect myself so I can truly like catapult my life to the next highest apex. Sweet. So, you know, so now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere, I'm nowhere at the same time, you know, and I've been spending a lot of time with Ayana really just embracing this energy, this energy, this sacred energy exchange that me and her has been, you know, exchanging and it's funny because, you know, me and her have me have sex. What? Yeah. Yeah. 
We have not even had sex. So I'm going to say yet again. <laughs> <laughs> the second time, say yet. You guys are going in that direction. You know that, right? Um, we, it's the, the, the intensity is like, oh my gosh, this is This is all foreplay. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of mind fighting. It's foreplay for me, and I just like it like you. It is not sex, sorry, it's rape, rape, rape. That's it. Call it. That's no. it. You know? You know. And but we know so many women, like even, you know, women only slightly older than you, who, if they're married, they think any sex he wants is sex. Huh? No, that doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yes, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, for sure. And um, it's, I, well, I asked the woman, and I tell them to this too, I'm like, when did it what? Like, who said that when we start having sex, we all have a habit? Who says that when we start having sex relationships, it always be a sexual relationship? Who mm -hmm. says that it's not a relationship if there's no sex in it? Mm -hmm. Like, who, who told us this? Like, why do we believe this? Right. is definitely a general knowledge thing that everybody knows about this unwritten rule that I, you know. <laughs> 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 I'm sitting here. I 
oh, that was wrong. I should have never had sex with them. And I didn't realize it until I did that. And I was just like, I ruined relationships that I should have never had sex with. And because I waited so long to have sex, I'm having sex at 21. Um, I had so many relationships that just garnered emotional foundation and intimacy that many men did not know about, you know? I didn't know how many lives I was changing and impacting by having the type of relationships that I had because that's just a non-negotiable way that I was going to be. Mm -hmm. And it developed, it, maybe, maybe, which, maybe it just was the exception of me and the relationship that I had with them, but either way it was an exception. And either way it was something that was different from what they were used to. And I started to revert back to that, you know? I'm like, like I don't drink anymore, I don't smoke weed anymore, he doesn't either. would do things that I loved without doing anything like, you know, clean yeah. fun. Yeah. Clean fun, uh, you know? I, I would yeah. always do that. And I'm like, why Why when you get grown, you don't have clean fun anymore? Like, why does it mean that you're not an adult if you don't have clean fun? I don't understand that. Because, you know, when you use the substances, which is fine, I mean, we've all yeah. learned, but like, then you forget how to do it sober. You just mm -hmm. have to like relearn, mm -hmm. right? And in the beginning, it's hard. You just don't know how to let go and get out of yourself without self-medicating, mm -hmm. medicating. You know, you're kind of like stuck in the narrow bounds of yourself, like your social self, you know, as people think of you, but not necessarily as you think of you. So usually, you know, we like self-medicate to get out of that shape. But actually, once you practice, and you have sober sex and you have sober exchange of any kind, it's like amazingly better. Yeah, even my... So, um, but it takes time. Yeah, well, I know someone, I know local women, they're like, oh, I've never had sex not sober. I'm like, really? <laughs> and it's, I, you know, I only stopped recently drinking. I only stopped recently smoking. I have never had sex, like, beyond BB. I've only had sex sober. Mm. Only. Mm. Even when I was drinking and smoking and doing whatever the fuck, I've only had sober sex. That's why. And I'm like, it's crazy that that's that's the only you know what I'm saying like you don't even have a clear you don't have a clear body when you're having sex like mm -hmm. that's crazy. It's exactly. strange that's happening. Yeah, you're not picking up on your body, and right. that's how like ninety percent of date rape happens. Mm. You know, you're drunk, you're high, both are. They're not quite clear what's going on, what the boundaries are, and then you wake up, sober up, and you're like, oh no, you I didn't consent to that. No, no, I didn't. But in the moment, so if you want to really be in charge of your boundaries and your womanhood, you know, try to stay sober. And I feel that also like practicing like you seem to be doing, however consciously, you know, practicing a period of being asexual um, is a great way to come into your new sexuality, you know, to become like evolved as a sexual being. It's good to take the time off. It allows you like that perspective to look at yourself and you know, redefine like what you did, what your choices were, how much of it was you, and how much of it was like copycatting whatever happens in the culture or on TV or wherever, right? Your friends. And so I, I think I also recommend that you know having a period of being asexual, especially you know as kind of like an intro to a more evolved, more conscious sexuality. Yeah, and even harnessing that energy things as well like oh, yeah. prior to um to indigo i was still not having penetrative sex for like 13 months you know it was something that i just it was non-negotiable i realized and i always always tell my women this too my circles like 
when did we not start having when did we not start having like guaranteed amazing sex you know like when did we start have the second guessing it's going to be good or not when did we decide that like if it's not so good like maybe it's okay like no we can guarantee having amazing sex if you wait enough if you actually look at red flags that are happening right. you can choose what the fuck you have in your life including amazing sex like who said that you had to like maybe have some good shit sometime like no i would have good shit all the time all the motherfucking time 100 good shit and if it's not going to be that way i'm not going to do that mm-hmm. and i just started to have that so inherent within myself that I didn't even, I didn't even like talk, I, I, I couldn't even text you if there was no like major intent behind it, let alone, let alone talk to you on the phone, let alone go on a date with you. Like I remember I used to give people like a lot of time, you know, I used to give people so much of my time. And I, one thing, people always, like I've heard it too, like people would say the only thing you don't give back is time, the most thing that's valuable that you have is time, but not really with actual time, but it's something that you can't give, if you get money back, you can't get time back. So it's something that I was always conscious of, but I still was not, I still didn't understand it. Like you can think about something and still not really understand it. Or maybe you can understand something but still not feel it. And it wasn't right. So it wasn't something that I was practicing. And then it was something that just became inherent. I'm like, well, I'm not going on a date with you. Like, no, I want a free meal. Like, I'll go home and cook my damn self, you know? And I'm like, a lot of people do that still. A lot of people do, you know, I still got homegirls. So it's like, well, you know, I still want this free meal and whatever. You know, power to you. I was doing that shit too. But I realized that, like, we we should be. You're going to poop that meal, sister. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of that. (laughs) But you are. Right? It's going to go back. It's going to go back out that time. other like it, you have the best of both worlds because you have an emotional support system you know so you're fulfilled emotionally however you may call it in your words yeah you know but being with him makes you feel accepted so actually you know that's like the one thing that we miss as women when we're solo is like that emotional connection because we're just more full of feelings you know but he's an empath he's emotional so you both give each other that cover and then you can actually like Go on your journeys of self-discovery, but you're supported. Mm-hmm. 
good. Yeah, it was so much effort. I was telling women all the time, like you just said, like women are so used to doing so much more, overlooking just like the lack of fucking effort. And I'm like, I even told him, I'm like, I don't know if you realize, but if you do not put forth a lot of effort to see me all the time, we wouldn't see each other. I work too much. I work all the time, you know? Like, and that's what my priorities are and to get to where I need to be. And like, he helps me get to work. And you know, he, he helps me when he when I get up for work. And he, he's just like, he's a he's making himself available for me and showing me effort in order for me to feel like it's okay to show him that really because right. it's that he deserves it, you know? And it's not something that I'm going to give or I'm going to be upset about or I'm going to be self-conscious about or like, should I give him this compliment because maybe it's going to boost his ego or, you know what I'm saying? I was telling him, like, I feel like you relax your fucking ego. If anything, you don't even have one. Like, I don't, like, I don't, you know? And it's like, like what, what man do you know without one? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that have, that has been exhibited in his personhood that I, I love and I know that I love and I know that I love it because I spent so much time not having anything at all to do that reflection, you know, like to be very, very, very precise about what I want and, and knowing that I'm not going to do anything except for what I want. I'm not going to get it if it ain't what I want, you know, and I, I preach this to the women, but they have to be comfortable with taking those breaks or else they're not going to yeah. do that. They yeah. can't get that if they yeah. don't take time. They yeah. can't get that yeah. if they don't use the red flags to be non-negotiable mm -hmm. because if you decide to, you know, to not get here in a couple days and then talk to him three weeks later, you're wondering why he's not the man that you want. You ain't even do this shit the first week y'all was talking. Like, you were already upset. You decided to keep on going with it. You're wondering why this relationship is not working out for you. You have to be able to put up these boundaries on yourself and say no. Like, I'm not going to take this half-assed bullshit that you decide to give me and then wonder why three months later, like, I'm upset. Like, no, I'm just not going to do it. Same thing with, like, you know, I call it provider sex. I think I, I don't, I think I coined that term. But the point is that we women tend to you know, choose a man who will buy that meal, who will buy the movie ticket, who will like whatever it is, you know. So I think that that's something else besides taking time or penetrating sex. It's also like taking time off provider sex or, you know, like provider desire, desirability, you know. Or just material. Um, like, yeah, all that, all that shit. That's like, honestly, if you look at it, objectively in your life you realize that we're talking about pennies mm -hmm. like 90% of the time you could have taken care of all that expense yourself mm -hmm. you know it's not like the billionaire came and offered you you know five residences around the world in your own private plane no I mean that's not our reality most of us right so why are we doing that you know and I think that partly Indigo being a nomad by definition, he's not into that. You know, he's like telling you when he says I'm a nomad. He says I'm not gonna buy property that like you can come under my roof. You know, I'm not gonna be the one who's gonna support you financially. That's not my game. I just want to be, you know, free of those responsibilities. So you choose him. That's like already an act of like a revolutionary sexual behavior, right? Because you're like, oh, okay, I'll be the provider, you know? I'll go to work instead of like depending on someone else. And that turns me on, and then that turns him on. And it's just like an amazing simple step that so many of us could do. But we have to like retrain our brain. Like we literally have to go back into those neural pathways that were created, set up when we were children, and re-turn them around, you know? See, with 
Ayana, she literally, she's amazing. Like she has so much going on for her. She's in, she's in music videos. Mm -hmm. She's all this modeling, all these invites here and there. She's been inviting me, but I'm seeing all this abundance, all this great blessings, and mm -hmm. just flourishing is happening in her life. All this acknowledgement mm -hmm. that she's giving. If I was to actually have sex with her, because my vibrations are not at her level, if I was to actually have penetrated sex with her, I guarantee you I'll be taking from her. And all of a sudden those opportunities that's opening up for her would be opening up for me and she would decrease because she has a higher level of energy right now more than me. Because I just got out of a situation where only a few months ago. So I'm not at that place where, you know, where she's at. So I'll be getting a lot of the stuff that she's getting. I'll be taking from her. So I immediately realized that, like, you know what, we definitely should not be having sex because all, look, she's even going to Europe. She's been in Europe for like a few months. So what if I took that from her? What if she just said, I won't be going to Europe? I'll be the one that's going all around in Europe and all these other, you know, Scandinavian countries or whatever. You know, that's, that's, that's how, that's, mm -hmm. I can tell you, I know it, and like, I'm really rooting for her, because I'm a fan of her, so I'm like, listen, I really want to see you, I know, when she's on, her being on, I'm on, and that, not saying I'm trying to ride her wave, because I don't yeah, ride no, her wave, no, we no, are the way, it's like, yeah, however, I know, exactly, yeah. I know she's not going to forget about me, she's not going to forget about nobody that actually, you know, that's for her, and it's in her corner. But I know for a fact, if I was to, me and her was to have any type of sacred energy exchange as far as like sexually, as far as like penetrative, I would be taken from her. Mm -hmm. Just because of, I'm not at as high as she is right now. Mm -hmm. But she's been putting me in positions and places where I am seen, mm -hmm. where I don't have a million dollars, but she's putting me in million dollar situations, being around million dollar people, mm -hmm. that's presenting million dollar opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I can truly appreciate it for that. So, mm -hmm. so then me and her is just, Enjoying well, playing, this. I'm yeah. Sure you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of other stuff you can do besides penetrate. Oh, oh right. yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. For toys of all kinds. Right. I'm, the, I'm the biggest <laughs> toy. toy. I'm, I'm you're the toy. toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You're the boy toy. There are lots of toys that you can use. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you, Ayana and Indigo Brujo. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you for trusting me as your whisperer i am grateful to you for coming back every week and joining us as we attempt to speak sex as if it were a new language we attempt speaking sex and smashing the patriarchy i'll be back with you next week and until then speak sex ciao I could make love incessantly, I would be God.